In-depth journalism in the Memphis community, The Daily Memphian is of Memphis, not just in Memphis, and seeks to tell the stories of this city. TheDailyMemphian.com. Truth in place. Welcome to the Daily Memphian Tigers podcast. I'm Jonah Jordan, the Memphis Tigers beat reporter over here. And today I'm joined by our excellent columnist, Jeff Calkins, who's been all over the place the last two days. I think he's written two, three, four times just in the last three days. Uh, how are you doing today, Jeff? Good. Yeah. So last night, Tigers fell to Cincinnati at home. We'll cover basketball here to start. What did you think of that game? Well, it's funny because I obviously it's disappointing in the end. And to me, the, the curious thing was, you know, I ended up writing a column largely based on Penny's remarks where he talked about the team's toughness and we're just not tough enough and we don't have the uh, the uh, we don't battle every single moment like we should. And we and, and sort of that's how he framed it, that we want to be like Cincinnati and we're not there yet and and whatever. And so. That's that's sort of what I wrote, um, mostly because I mean, Penny, whenever he talks, even when he's not being as colorful as he sometimes has been this season, um, he's pretty riveting. And so when Penny says that, that's what I wrote. But, you know, it's funny because upon reflection, well, I think some of that's true. Um, I, I honestly think they were they were. They were in a four-point underdog. They yeah. lost by five. They played their asses off in the first half. Um, the crowd was great. Um, it was it, it it was not some big. Yeah, this is not to be confused with the Tulsa game or the South Florida game or anything like that. I, I do think, and and I and I did write this too, that in the end, they to say they lack toughness is correct. But I don't think it's just physical toughness now obviously they're not the uh, they they're they have some weaknesses up front yeah. that's clearly true but i think what what you notice and what i think is true about this team is that and what i think both explains the troubles on the road and then the second half yesterday is that when they're put under real when things are going badly for them whether that's the first half against south florida or whether it's the first half against tulsa or, um they they splinter a little and they don't make it's, it's not that they aren't physically tough. It's that they Tyler jacks up a three pointer that he didn't need. Yeah, to, he didn't need to, to that was it. a yeah. bad three pointer, right? The ball finds it's they end up with a, a jumper by Alex Lomax. Like why, Alo, why would you want that? Like they, in those moments, they don't execute smartly mm-hmm. and, and um, instead they, they tend to revert to they don't make the extra pass. They tend to, and to me, that's what I think is striking. It's not just physical toughness, although obviously they, you know, Isaiah Maurice is not the strongest guy in the world, et cetera. On the but, but it's this sort of ability to with to be resilient yeah. that I think they lack, and some of that is faith in each other. Some of it's the makeup of the roster. Some of it's whatever. But I think that that's one of the big issues that yeah. they face. I talked about that with Jeffrey Wright last week. Is that when things get tough, the offense breaks down. When the offense breaks down, they don't know what to do. I mean, it was pretty clear right. what the plan was last year. It's just get the ball to Jeremiah and let him work. And that's been what it is the last two games. And even then, when Cincinnati's running three, four guys at Jeremiah, 
there's been nobody that's been able to make a play. That's what happened late last night. I mean, you had the Kareem Bruton five-second violation coming out of a timeout with 320 left in the game down three. Then you had Mike Parks miss two free throws down three. You had Keevan Davenport completely disappear in the second half of the game. I mean, he scored seven points, five, seven points to come out of halftime, and then then he was gone. I mean, he didn't do anything but grab a rebound or two and then make a layup. And that everything is falling on Jeremiah Martin's shoulders once again, and it's pretty clear to me, I think, that this team – can only go as far. Plus, as the freshmen aren't. Let's be honest. Yeah, like, like, not. like Tyler's lost now. I mean, it was Tyler's when his shot isn't falling. It's and it hasn't been. That's a problem. Yeah. Alex, I think the way I said today is I, in my column, was he he plays with with obvious but often misdirected passion. You know, he's going full <laughs> speed, but full speed to where? You know, is and then Antoine Jones has been lost for a while now. Yeah. Um. So, um, they aren't really in a position. And then honestly. I don't think Penny helped himself when he went with the four-guard lineup oh, as well as he did for a couple of reasons. One is um, just in terms of rebounding and all the things we talk about, physical tough. And and by the way, the the, the big he had in there was Isaiah, Isaiah Maurice, Maurice, like yep. who's not. So um, he's not. Um, and then maybe it works if Tyler's hot, right? But if literally when 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 only. When three of those four guards can't hit a shot, and then the big is Isaiah Maurice, that four guard lineup it's supposed to work if the four guards are incandescent, but yeah. they're not. They're yeah. they they're struggling as much or more than anybody right now, particularly. So, it's it was three freshmen and it was it the was, three freshmen and and Jeremiah and so Isaiah Maurice. They were switching out Jeremiah and Kareem. And then it was the three freshmen, Tyler and. It's just I, I don't understand. I don't I don't understand the love affair with that um grouping and um and i I think that cost him and uh yeah it's what gave up the lead it's what caused jaron cumberland to kind of get going there in the middle of the second half and he kind of put the game away i mean he did i don't want to call it a throat slash but more of like a it's over motion well he hit that three uh well it was the and one oh and the and one um late in the second half people were behind us were complaining about the foul call but i mean it was a foul um, people all night were complaining about the refs. But what have you thought about Jeremiah Martin's last two games? I mean, he's been shooting 28, 30% from three up until the last two games where he's, I mean, he's 15 for 23. I mean, he's been great. Right. It's funny because there were questions. I mean, evidently, you know, whatever. If he's, the games in which he's scored a lot of points, they haven't necessarily won. They're one and three if he scores uh, more than 20, maybe. Um, as if he's sort of responsible for that. I, I don't think so at all. I think what has happened is is that um, I, I didn't think Jeremiah at the beginning of the season knew how to be because um, he knew he was supposed to be a leader, right? He knew he was supposed to be showing the guys the ropes, but he didn't really know what that meant. So sometimes he'd force things, and sometimes he'd be the opposite. He would he would um, not be sufficiently aggressive, Um I also think his foot was bothering him. I, I don't that, think there may be that too. He's obviously been tremendous. I mean, the last two he's absolutely been tremendous. You just wish, like, when they are at their best, Keevan Davenport was playing really well, and Antoine Jones was playing really well. Like, um, you need that's you need Keevan Davenport to play yeah. really well, and they just they don't have enough players. If the Keevan Davenport no. disappears, it's and he has been, um, starting with the Temple game, I believe. Yeah, it was. Um, and um, so he's been 
off somewhere. And then Antoine Jones, who'd made so much progress, looked like, and, and, and when you saw him make the progress, you kind of hoped not just that it, that it would actually continue to make even more progress and that he would really turn into a force. And now you're saying, oh, gosh, like, um, he so, looks unhappy. I mean, he, he yeah. last night was visibly frustrated with what was going on on the court and what was happening right. on the bench. I mean, he's always had just, unless things are going perfectly for him, his body language is disastrously bad. Um, and you can tell that rubs the other guys the yeah, wrong way sometimes. Yeah. I mean, no, you, you wonder like truly if you wonder if he, if he's a kid who's going to end up transferring. You also can imagine him being a star, but yeah. it's dependent. It's, it's sort of in the balance, but, um, so yeah, so even I, I don't blame Jeremiah at all for the the fact that the others have regressed. I think it's unfortunate where Jeremiah has found his game that I don't know what's going on with Keevan. Like this is the worst Keevan we've seen. I think people kind of figured out Keevan Davenport. I think that's kind of been part of it. Um, Keevan's at his best when he's on the move towards the basket. Um, he's okay back to the basket and he's great. Um, spot up three point shooter like last night. He's fantastic when he trails behind the defense. Right. Gets and, that. Jeremiah yeah. drops off the ball to him and he nails the drive. He hasn't been three. able to right. find those. He hasn't been able to find his spots. He's been battling for rebounds, having to find his way into the game. And I just don't think, I think people are game planning him a little better. I think that's a big part of it. I think that he's not the most physical guy in the world. I think that's been clear, and right. it's just he hasn't been able to – when they're not flying up and down the floor – He's not effective. He's not effective, and when you can slow Memphis down, that screeches, I mean, half of their roster to a halt, and that has been the biggest problem over the past few weeks. It's funny, like, though, as I sort of said, and this is what I – this is where you go back to with just the roster. Well, what has Penny got? And, he, and Mick Cronin alluded to this. He said – he didn't say it exactly. He said it's a – Interesting mix because he's got three freshmen who play a lot and then he has a bunch of seniors and that the way he said it He said that can create some dynamics <laughs> is what he said and what he meant is that's not a favorable dynamic that can be very awkward um, but Who's there every game like who can you count on every game? I really think the only guy you can count on at this point is Jeremiah I mean, I mean Kareem has had some big games, right? Yeah, some big games but and then night, uh, not 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 last night you know, last night was his worst defensive performance of the season, I think. I think Mike Miller was on him more than anybody. I mean, it was a constant, Kareem, what are you doing? Kareem, what are you doing? You're out of position. You need to be here. When, you're here when you should have been here. You gave up a basket. Yeah. I mean, it was a – Mike Parks Jr., like he was pretty good last night, but the other games he's totally disappeared. Yeah, and he – I wonder how much mentally he's been into it the with past. The, with the kid? Yeah, no, I don't know if it's his kid because Jeremiah, also, you Jeremiah also get, is a kid. Let's I mean, be honest. You also get the sense that he has – He's not been valued by this staff, particularly. You know, he he, he makes two mistakes, and they they're very yeah. quick to yank him. Yeah, they were much quicker lease. to yank him than Tyler or than Alo. Or mm -hmm. he's a very short lease. And I just that may be what the style of player he is. I mean, if he's not rebounding, if he's not blocking shots, he's not really doing anything because he's not a great defender. I mean, too many times this season. I mean, when I think of the worst defensive plays of the year, go back to the Tulsa game, Tulsa. Right. Guard grabs a free throw or grabs a rebound off free throw, takes it right down past Mike. Mike didn't move. I mean, it's just he does things like that that really bother them. It was a little surprising how unproductive Rainier Thornton, who's been a oh, he's happy. Been he's been great. How unproductive he was last night. But so there you had that too. You know, to me though, here's the truth. Big picture, I'm exactly where I was. Oh, Big yeah. picture, 
Um, huge crowd. Um, yes, they were complaining about the officials, and you know what? That's the job. That's the part of being a fan. Like there were refs, you suck cheers. There were flopper cheers. There were like, and you love that. Um, this is the game a year ago where they gave away all the tickets, right? Oh yeah. And so was. last night we had cold, miserable weather, <laughs> and there was still a big crowd. And so you have that. You've got recruiting is going great guns. Um, and so, um, and then you have this team that I never thought was an NCAA tournament team, um, and doesn't certainly appear to be an at-large team. And as I'm pointing out in my column today, if the issue with this team is mental toughness and being able to, at difficult times, make the right play, right? It, it, that's not that if that's the problem with the team. That's not a team that can win three games in a row no. in difficult circumstances to go to the NCAA tournament. I have held that as a hope. Um, obviously, like they, they're gonna, they would struggle with Houston anyway. But yeah. forget that. But just like literally looking at their ability to win three difficult games in a row, it, you begin to question it because they just don't seem like the kind of tough-minded team that can go on that yeah. kind of a tournament run even even on their home court yeah and it just to me I don't know why the tournament has always been this oh it's something we need to do it's something we need to do I don't know why like I I don't think I need to do it but it's a it would be nice Penny certainly feels the need to drum it up talks about it and then fans are pointing to it as a goal and I I just it's always been unrealistic I don't I don't think there will be great disappointment um you would like them to not disappear the first game yeah. right that yeah. that would be a disappointment is if they get knocked out the first game but honestly if they make it if they you know the seating will matter uh, whatever but yeah. if, if they're in the semifinals and i think losing they... the semis that's that to me is a is a perfectly respectable tournament showing and then and and then honestly for the city and for the tournament then you just have one game that's going to be and that's going to be lightly yeah. attended and that one day where it'll be lightly attended. And then you'll bring some, presumably Cincinnati might be in there. You'll bring some Cincinnati fans or Houston might be there. Houston's not going to bring yeah, any fans. Yeah, I just have always used this season as a, a reference for going forward, not in the sense of, oh, like they need to get wins, they need to do this. I'm watching how the coaching staff interacts. you got to watch how Alex Lomax and Tower Harris develop because they're the future. Okay, I mean, but then, then from that not. perspective, if that's the goal – because I think big picture, everything's pretty good, mostly based on enthusiasm, tenants, and recruiting. Yeah. Yeah. But if you're looking at the micro season in that way and the development of the young players, honestly, I don't know that that's good. Yeah, it's like not. You've, you've not seen um, great – Alo still is kind of lost. Tyler's regressed. Or they've scouted him differently and they're not allowing him to do whatever. And, um, and Antoine Jones has had his – seem to be making progress and then he's regressed so if you're looking at literally just setting the table for next year the players are going to be back obviously jeremiah is not coming back no so how do you feel about the development of the players who are going to be back i mean they have flashes where it's clear okay tyler harris can score he can shoot he can do all of these things and then you see the bad tyler harris came out that was i mean it's the same bad tyler harris that assault court of a high school the guy who's running down the court and wants to take a three right away or from where he shouldn't i mean it was last night it was i, I was watching it from the sidelines i mean he i think he, they were up three i know they, they, were, they down, were down three they were down, they were down three down. they were down and three he took a step back three that just killed their mo- it didn't kill their momentum i wouldn't say but it, it was an ill-advised shot but i've still seen enough from tyler to know okay once he keeps growing 
because they seemed like at the beginning of the season here, he was doing a great job. But I think the rigors of conference play, the rigors of the season, I mean, they get to everybody. They do. I mean, especially young guards who aren't in the upper echelon of talent. I mean, there's a reason he wasn't ranked as highly as he was. He was never going to average 18, 19 points a game. I've seen enough from Tyler to be encouraged. Little worried about Lomax, but, you know, I kind of expected Lomax to struggle in college wherever he went. Well, and I still think the the things that he does have, he has an undeniable toughness. Yeah. He will rip balls away from other from people's hand, out of people's hands and if he can figure out offensively i'm not going to say he's ever going to be dynamic he's not how to not just how to just run the damn team and and get out and and, and then i think he can be an effective player but that's going to require um a level of self-awareness yeah and he's gonna you know he's just gonna have to figure this thing out i think that him especially. I mean, I see those kids all the time in college. He's going to be a, a four-year guy. He's going to – he'll get through it. I, I don't know. I, I think he'll add a shot to his game eventually. That's going to be the toughest thing that he's going to be doing in college is adding a three-point shot, adding um, – I'd, like I'd like him to add a two-point shot. Well, yeah, that, that that would be helpful. But scoring will come. I mean, Penny's talked about it a lot. I mean, that – but what have you thought – about the job coaching that Penny's done because he's impressed me for the most part. I think that he's still struggling to manage a rotation, manage some some small minor details that I kind of, that were kind of expected for him to struggle with. But what what have you thought so far of his job on the floor? Because we talk a lot about him off the floor, and people seem to be ignoring like the Penny Hardaway, the coach on the floor. You know, it's uh, it's I, I'm I'm by and large. Uh, I've been reassured um, because it was a big question. What would he be? Is he in over his head? Whatever. I, I don't think you've seen that. I think, um, and, and now you can question certain things. I think all along the small lineup is, is a love of the affair with a small lineup. It's been kind of interesting. And then I think, I do think it's fair to criticize um, to at least, hold him partially responsible for the slow starts on the road. I mean, in the end, it's not enough to say I told them to come out with energy. Yeah. The job of a coach is to have them. It's the old, don't sh- show me the, don't tell me about the labor pain, show me the baby, right? Like you always hear from Penny, our plan was perfect. He says that in every single thing. And yet, so in the end, coaches are held responsible for, slow starts coaches are held responsible just in the same way that coaches are held responsible if every third quarter you come out and are <laughs> le- you're you're being held responsible for the halftime yeah. adjustments right and so um so i'm just not there yet you know i'm just not like i want to see penny with his guys i want to see penny and then honestly for a long time i was really giving him credit for the development of players particularly antoine jones like yeah. the fact that he had this sort of un this difficult personality, let's just put it that way, that he had sort of brought him along and turned him into an effective contributor was to me almost the best part of the coaching that he had done. It's player development, et cetera. Now he's regressed. I'm, we'll see where that one goes. So, um, I mean, I, I guess I would say the jury's out, but I don't mean that in a negative way. I just mean, I'm not 
ready to make any pronouncement. He does not look over his head and in over, like he's in over his head. I think very clearly he has a good staff. Um, it'll be interesting to see if they all stay after this year. I'm not sure they will. I'll Keeping be Mike Miller in on the staff is the most important thing he'll do going into next season because Mike's been the – I mean, he's been the best assistant coach. I mean, the game plan last night – I mean, Mike, again, when they beat UCF, he was standing up calling out their plays. It was obvious he right. did this count last night again. And that first half, the players were responding well to it. Second half, not so much. But that goes back to what you're talking about, game planning. Their game plan can't always be perfect. I mean, people are going to respond to how you game plan them. I mean, it was obvious. Cincinnati went into the time, went into halftime. They made adjustments. You can't just roll out there in the second half again and expect right. what you did in the first to work. Um, but you mentioned recruiting. They've made two top lists in the last two weeks. Damian Ball, uh, some people have him a three-star, some people have him a four-star local um, guard out of Tennessee Prep Academy. Um, Tennessee, or not Tennessee, uh, Memphis, TCU, and Texas Tech. Um, and then R.J. Hampton, a class of 2020 five-star who could reclassify to 2019 if he so chooses. Uh, Memphis was in there, Duke, Kansas, Kentucky, Memphis, and TCU. Um, it's a big deal, I think, to be in there with – those big guns, like I don't think they'll end up with ball. I think Texas Tech is in the lead for him. But the other one, if they were able to add a guy like RJ Hampton, I think it could take this team to the next level. Um, what do you think of the recruiting class so far? Um, well, I mean, you're, this is well, what, do you, what do you think <laughs> the odds of RJ Hampton are? I mean, are you talking about that? This is serious. It's serious. Yeah, it's absolutely serious. I By mean, way, I don't think they're done with Matthew Hurt, particularly if Mike Miller is on yeah. staff. I don't think that's over. Like people have sort of buried that. I don't think it's over. I don't. The only person that he's gotten involved with that I never thought he like had a chance with was Anthony Edwards. I just I never had a good feel for that one. It never felt like that that was that affection was reciprocated in a real way. I think him and James were friends. I think right. so. Kids he was playing age, along like that. Right. That kids that age have a real tough time saying no to their friends. Um, I think. I mean, he just canceled his Florida State visit. He's visited Georgia and Kentucky, and is coming down to a visit or coming down to a decision soon. So Memphis is out. It never felt real there. Um, but everybody else that he gets involved with, it's an immediate, like, okay, he has a chance for them. I, and it goes back to Jalen Green, class 2020, number one overall prospect. He's in California. I mean, that's an incredible, incredible thing to get in right away and immediately be in contention for someone halfway across the country that you, I mean, right. that you seemingly had no relationship with before. Yeah. Um, and then the last thing we speaking of recruiting Memphis football recruiting uh, wrapped up this week. Uh, Mike Norvell talked about it. And I thought what was um, particularly interesting was that he was able to put together what I think was the second. If you look at the rankings, second best non-power five class. Is that true? Uh, yes. Um, and they were second in the AAC. UCF was the only one that kind of right. out recruited them while he is juggling staff, I think. And, and, and his, the point he made, and I think it's true is that, well, he said that, you know, they're, they're choosing for the right reasons. And, the, but, but what it means is that the program and Mike have enough credibility now that it can withstand, you know, you lose a, assistant because obviously the the, the initial contacts and, and the the primary relationship on recruiting is with an assistant that assistant bolts it has the potential to shake things up mike has kept things going and was able to even in the face of massive over turnover in the <laughs> of the assistants was able to land a extraordinarily highly regarded class yeah and he did a great job like he himself i mean i think he he won't admit it 
Right. But um, he had to do a whole lot more recruiting than he has in the past because his assistants, I mean, they all left. I mean, he lost both his coordinators. He lost, um, I mean, Joe Warwick, who has been a great recruiter for him. And he had to go out and personally assure people like, hey, things aren't going to fall apart. It's the coaches and it's the head coach's job at that point. Who do you want to hear from? If you're a parent and your kid is being recruited and and their coordinator's gone, you don't just want to hear from the new coordinator who's stepping in you want to hear from the head coach and he's done that and now of course what's interesting is with spring football coming he's got to bring not only the new players up to speed he's got to bring the new coaches up to speed to teach them what they want to teach at spring training this has been a enormous challenge for mike norvell um we did break the story that he got contract extension yep it was a it was a pretty pro forma contract extension it was just an extra year just to keep him at the max just to keep him at the max um um but um i think the whole thing bodes well i mean the fact that you're able it it shouldn't matter at some point he will leave i believe but the fact that you're able to continue the recruiting at a high level means that whenever there is a transition, whether it's after this year or next year, whenever it is, the next person who comes in is going to have talent to work with. It's not going to be um, the situation like Justin Fuente inherited. Um, There's going to be talent on this team. Yeah, and (laughs) I mean, just it goes beyond talent to me. It goes that finally Memphis, I I know they've been doing it a lot over the past, what, four or five years is that there's a commitment to football. And I know I've written about it. I know I've said it until I'm blue in the face, but that the athletic administration has proven, hey, we care about football. Um, We care about football a lot. We care about how things are going here. We want to be a good football school. Um, I'm about to have to wrap this up because we're going to have to break some more news here in a minute. Um, But it, it goes beyond just the talent. It goes to, it speaks to like, Okay, the IPF. The IPF is going to be done in about a year, maybe even less. I mean, they're finally doing it. It's finally going in a direction that feels good. So, you know, I I just think that eyes are opened across the nation, right. and it, it, it's it's really we didn't even talk about the schedule, but wrap oh, it up. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'll let you get to the yep. news. Um. So that's it for today. You can follow Jeff on Twitter at underscore Jeff Calkins and me at underscore Jonah Jordan. Mine oh, is actually Jeff underscore Jeff underscore G E O F F underscore Calkins. And I'm at underscore Jonah Jordan. Uh, go subscribe to the Daily Memphian. Um, go to dailymemphian.com. It's really easy to figure out. Um, you can find other Daily Memphian podcasts, which are powered by the OM network. Anywhere you can find your podcast, whether that be iTunes, Stitcher, or Spotify. In-depth journalism in the Memphis community, The Daily Memphian is of Memphis, not just in Memphis, and seeks to tell the stories of this city. TheDailyMemphian.com. Truth in place.